We here at Sports Best Friends acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land, water and sky throughout Australia on which we record. We recognise their strength, diversity, resilience and deep connection to country. We pay our respects to Elders of the past, present and future as they hold the memories, knowledge and spirit of Australia. Welcome to the Big Cat Chat, a podcast all about the Penrith Panthers. My name is Jack Martin and I'm joined by my co-host Nat Sinclair. How are you, Nat? I'm great. How are you, Jack? I'm very good, thank you. It's good to be back. Wonderful. Out a little hiatus last week, which is a shame. We hate having hiatus after we win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just a bit of a funny old week, wasn't it? It was, but it's okay. We're back now. Exactly. We won't do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable, and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Okay, so Nat, there's been a little bit of news since we last recorded. Uh, Nathan Cleary and Ivan Cleary have both been officially confirmed that they have re-signed with the club, I believe, until the end of the 2027 season. Uh, What do you make of all that? Um, The best news ever. I love how easy it was. Um, I think especially in the wake of looking at the Ponga situation and how much of a circus that was and you know, how things can become like that when you're trying to sign big-name players. I mean, I didn't even know that they were discussing this this year um, because I think obviously the two of them were already locked in for a little while. Um, So the fact that they just kind of went about their business so quickly, I think in the press conference they said that they began um, discussing, you know, extending it out and negotiating it in March and it was already done in like three weeks, which was so good to hear. Um, so it's just, it gives you a bit of confidence, you know, like they're all so happy being there. The fact that Nathan took, you know, a lot less than what he could have commanded on the open market to make sure that we can retain as many players as we can is just such a good sign that they're all going to, you know, have a kind of a Melbourne storm situation where they do take unders to stay together. Um, and that way you can keep these kind of juggernaut rolling. Um, and, and as for Ivan, he has just done incredible things for our club. He's debuted all the right people. Um, he's letting them play in a style that is really working for them, um, especially the guys that like to have a bit of fun and carry on a bit. He doesn't care if they do that. He's not trying to, you know, shove them into a box, um, you know, almost like a Roosters-like box where they just kind of get about their business and it doesn't look like they're having a whole lot of fun even when they were winning. Um it's really good to see he's letting their personalities be and just letting them have a good time. Um, so, yeah, very good signs, very happy times. Yeah, I think you're 100% right in, like, the how different the situation was to, say, someone like the Caelan Ponga negotiations, where, like, I don't want to bash on Ponga or anything, <clears throat> but this was all so simple and it just got done. 
like there mm. there were a few news reports leading up to it for like a couple of weeks here and there about oh Panthers are set to announce the yeah. re-signings of these two but it, there was never any speculation over whether they would it was always no. from the go like oh this is going to happen and yeah, I love the official announcement yeah yeah pretty much and like I love that we didn't hear from any of their agents in the lead up to it yeah, which meant so that true. it was all yeah. good sailing like like I actually don't even know who their agents are and I think that's yeah. probably a good thing to know uh, like oh totally yeah, to, to not, not to know. know I guess yeah yeah absolutely and, and you're right like Nathan has taken unders and yeah. I love that so much when you consider some of the money that some of the top earners in the comp are on and yeah. you think a lot of them are probably on overs and yeah. some of the like there have been some some major signings in the past few years in the NRL where mm. everyone has gone oh I wouldn't be paying them that much but then yeah. I think just about everyone can agree that Nathan could get a couple hundred thousand more than what he is yeah and yeah I think that was great the I watched the press conference live and it was just so nice hearing what they had to say about like yeah. their reasoning from it. Like yeah. saying that from the get-go, like he didn't care about how much it was going to be. And he was just like, yeah, I'll resign. Like, let's just get it done kind of thing. Yeah. And then him saying after the press conference that now that he's resigned, he wants Tago and May to resign. Cause it's like, he's yeah. taken the pay cut so we can keep players like that. And yeah. I mean, it's not a pay cut. It's a, wage increase but like lower than what he could get and easily then, lower than what he could get yeah yeah and then hearing Ivan talking about how you know they moved out here in what 2012 and like they're just they're Penrith people now and like yeah. it would have it would have been easy for them to just stay on the beaches and do the commute out and everything like that like mm -hmm. you see some mm -hmm. players do with certain clubs like they I, I don't know why it always kind of annoyed me when we'd have like Penrith players that like lived in the Shire or something. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I, yeah. Obviously like sometimes a... you can't help it, but if you're like have been there for some time, it's like, just live there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good place. <laughs> yeah. And like the fact that they have done that and they've like completely embraced the area and the fact yeah. that Ivan was so keen to re-sign given, I mean, I think the club kind of did him dirty with letting him go the first time yeah and it was just yeah. good to see that like that took like that like had nothing on his mind when it came to making the decision to stay yeah no I agree entirely yeah and like um, it sorry yeah no you go you go okay I was gonna say like they could be a ideal like package deal for multiple clubs to get like there are some desperate clubs out there who would probably who probably would have discussed the idea of just throwing the kitchen sink at both of them, but now yep. it's just something we don't have to worry about. Exactly, and I think I almost think clubs would have they would have floated it, but I just I don't even think if clubs thought it was worth even floating it with them because I think it's so clear how happy they yeah. are. Um, and how it's not just a matter of Nathan playing with like a coach playing under his dad and Ivan coaching his son. It's beyond that. Like I think that the family kind of extends beyond those two two now at Penrith. I think they consider the whole lot of them as family. Um, and 
yeah, just the fact it was so easy was so good. I remember um, initially, I think when Nathan was starting to really show that he was something special um, and perhaps when Ivan was maybe still at the Tigers or just when he came over, there was discussions that eventually they'd end up somewhere like the Roosters. And that's probably something that you would see in the past. You'd see them, you know, win a premiership at Penrith and then go to the more fancy club in the East or whatever, get lots of money, live that life. And I would have been so sad if that was to happen um, because it would just, it would feel so wrong. Um, so the fact that they've kind of extended it out already and they've just not even floated the possibility of going somewhere like that is just so good. It's great for the area. It's great for the club. It's great for the supporters. Um, it's just very exciting news and really, really well handled. Yeah, that's something where, like, I still don't think Penrith are a destination club, but I don't think we need to be. Um, but I think, I think we've yeah, progressed. Think- like, like, not compared to, like, say, like, people who want to move to Sydney or whatever. I think they're more attracted mm-hmm. to the lifestyle of where certain clubs yeah. are located. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. that still plays a part when you look at, like, the players' polls and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But I think that we've reached a point where I think we can say goodbye to the days of our star players moving to those clubs. Yeah. Like anyone who's already here wants to stay here. Yeah. And I think players who would want to make moves for their career would now seriously yeah. look at Penrith. But then oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. And like, like nothing against players who make a move for say like the money, because there are some players who, like, like Adam Reynolds made his move is about money and about long term. Yeah, security. but he's at a stage. Yeah, and yeah. he's at a stage where he can do that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not even like a cynical thing. It's just like a this is his last big contract, so yep. you may as well get the most yep. out of it. And he's achieved all he can at Souths. Yeah, and I don't see Penrith luring those kinds of deals. But then someone like no. a Paul Momorowski saw the opportunity at Penrith and saw that it was a good chance and like yep. Appy did and a couple of years ago and I think, I think as well those smart buys like that yeah exactly and like I think Melbourne's John do the same thing you see very rarely the Melbourne like since when when was the last time maybe Xavier was their biggest signing yeah. um, in a long time um, but apart from Xavier they really don't sign big names at all they just kind of pump them out from their own you know um their own feeder clubs and they make little kind of what you would see is journeyman signings and then turn them into good players. And I used to envy that so much. It was like, how can you take a player that's come from like the Tigers or somewhere like that and really struggled and they go to Storm and they turn into world beaters and he was like all the time. And now we are doing the exact same thing. And if you look at example, players like Paul Momorowski, Kurt Capewell, who are really excelling with us last year, they've actually now not, they're not quite getting their, their respective new clubs. Um, Momorowski is really struggling at the Roosters and Kurt Capel is yeah. just not having that same impact at Brisbane that he did when he was at Penrith. And then on the flip side, you look at who we've got at the moment and you look at your Scott Sorensons, even Matt Eisenhuth, that kind of player um, who you wouldn't really look twice at, you know, before they started playing with us. But now they're turning into really handy players um, that really fit into their roles really well. And I think we're having that storm effect now where they come to us and we turn them in. We're a system. There's a system there. Um, and they, it really brings the most out of them. And then on the plus side, you might get yourself, you know, a premiership ring, which is a huge plus. Um, so I really like that. 
I think it's good, you know, we've always been a bit of a bread not bought kind of club because we have that luxury of having that huge juniors nursery. Um, and it just feels so much better, I guess, when the majority of the team are players that you've seen grow from when they were, you know, really young come through. And then just a few little players here and there we've bought to fill in the gaps. That's a really nice feeling that we are getting to the success we are getting with that sort of player without having to dish out paper bags to get players, you know, who um, are excelling at other clubs, not naming names. With <laughs> 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 a paper bag reference. <laughs> uh, clubs that lost to the Dragons yesterday. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think you're right in that we are a bit more like Melbourne now with our, like, player development and recruitment in that we're good at not only making players better players, mm like mm-hmm. they come to us and they improve but it's also like talent identification for certain players who aren't from your area because like we're always yeah. going to have great players in this area just for the sheer amount of juniors that we have but then yeah. like when you look at probably across the entire season our two best performing players Dylan Edwards and Isaiah Yo, aren't actually mm-hmm. from the Penrith junior area and they were no. identified by the club and you look yeah. at you look at the Melbourne Storm where they identified like Cameron Munster, who no one yep. wanted. Yep. And he's just about one Pups, of the best players in the world. From, Pups is from the hills in, here, yeah. in Sydney. Do you know what I mean? Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like he was at both the Tigers and the Eels and yep. he got his opportunity. No one thought too much of him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nico Hines, he, was, he failed yep. at a number of clubs before Melbourne made him that better player. And then he got. Although I do think they'll rue that. I think that the Storm have made a mistake in letting go of um, Nico, um, an uncharacteristic mistake. But um, yeah, again, they did turn him into someone that was able to lure such a big contract at Cronulla. And now he has his own team there, effectively. Yeah, now he's like absolutely killing it and probably yeah. exceeding expectations that we already oh, had absolutely. of him, even though they were quite lofty. Yeah. 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 And I can see us getting that way. Like you said, like, some players can come in, win a ring and, you know, yep. get a bigger contract that will help their career like a Momorowski. Exactly right. Yeah. Just, you know, try and hold on to the ball a bit more, mate. Oh. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's your way with the premiership. So yesterday, the, no, not yesterday, was it? Oh, no. I'm terrible. Two days ago. The Penrith Panthers played the Canberra Raiders and we won 36 to 6 at home to extend our winning streak of games at Penrith Stadium to 21 straight. Uh, what did you make of the game, Nat? That was great. I was actually watching a replay this morning because um, I, I was at the game and sometimes it's a little bit hard to really identify who played well, who didn't. Um, so it's always good to watch it again. Um yeah, I think we're just seeing the same thing we see from us so frequently, which is this real patience in the first half, which is just like rely on your defence. Do not panic if points don't come immediately. You know, in that first 10 minutes against Canberra, we had a number of sets on our line and didn't manage to score. Um, and a lot of teams would get in a bit of a cluster about that. Um, and I think the fact that we can keep calm in those scenarios and know that we will grind them down through our defence is such an asset. And we saw that really shine. Um, the control in the second half was just something else. You know, we we just kind of like, it's a bit um, morbid, but we kind of strangled the, the opponents. And it's like we give them a little, like, taste, like, oh, you might be in this. And then we just strangled them, really. Um, and, yeah, great to see. Um, kind of like 
beating the Raiders now because they're such little princesses, for want of a better <laughs> word. Um, it kind of gives me a bit of satisfaction now when we beat them and they cry about it for 10 days afterwards, you know? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Like, um, we have a habit of the games going into halftime. You sort of go, oh, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a contest on here. But, like, as the game goes on, we do just strangle them. And it happens every week. Like, I don't understand why, um, like, if there's anyone out there who doesn't quite get what's happening when it's, like, like the Broncos game. Like, they were looking pretty good against us. But we mm. just blew them out of the water towards the end because it's what we do. We stay in the contest and we just beat them up. And then eventually yep. the ball's going to go out to Taylor and May and he's going to score 19 yep. tries. That's going to be easy. Yeah. And, like, you look at that second half against the Raiders and I think it, I've seen it mentioned a few times, but I, it was like it wasn't until they got a few penalties at the end that marched them over halfway. But they yep. didn't have a play the ball in our half in the second half until, yeah, there was like a few minutes left, which exactly. is almost unheard of. And like Canberra it's were terrible. Control. They were, but, yeah. But Penrith made them terrible as well. Like, cause Canberra- And that's the thing, like you play against, you play with, you make, I get, it's up to you how well your opposition plays sometimes. Um, and you hear a lot, oh, they, you know, the opposition have always, always played terribly. Well, that's not a coincidence, you know, you, you, the way you play determines how they respond. And if you just kind of keep hammering them and hammering them and hammering them, they give up. And I think we've talked about that before with Penrith. So we're controlling how they play as well. Yeah, and it's that fight that we show. Yeah. And yeah. all in on everything. And, you know, it leads to our players sometimes riling up the opposition. It seems to be in particular the Canberra Raiders. Um mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to check right now if this is still the case. Bear with me for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we? Because I noticed this on Twitter yesterday and then I checked as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Wikipedia page for the Canberra Raiders. Ah, oh, they've changed it. Okay. The CEO <laughs> is Stephen Crichton. Yeah. Which So good. Yeah. And it's right because... Like, even last week when the Zach Lomax-Tyson-Frizzell incident happened, I saw yep. a story where um, like they, they were blaming it, <laughs> they're blaming it on Stephen Crichton for what he did to Joe Darcy yep. last year. And I know. They were talking about, like, last time they were talking about that and, like, our fans doing the Viking clap. And they were saying, yep. um, oh, you know, they just better wait until next time. Well, we versed them again. Stephen Crichton scored a hat trick. We won by thirty points, exactly. and we did the clap again. Like, <laughs> which I'm like with the clap, we may as well discuss it with yeah. that Viking clap situation. Like, <laughs> do these people have short memories? We did it last year when we hadn't even won anything yet. What on earth would make them think we weren't going to do it this year? How is that yeah. a surprise? <laughs> I don't understand. And like, I think people were upset that we did it after a Raiders era. I can't think of any better time to do it than after a Raiders era. That is literally the point. <laughs> like it's um, perplexing. The whole thing is perplexing to me. And I think it just shows, I guess, people just want something to complain about always. And yeah, like if it's not last week, it was that Nathan didn't get suspended for that tackle. And this week it's that we 
the fans did that awful clap and it was so hurtful to the Raiders. And it's like, it just stems, it stems down to the tall poppy syndrome, you know. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you're in your premiership year, both the players and the fans. Have fun, live a little. I wish every team had something like the Viking clap so every team's supporters could then put that back in the face of somebody. Yeah, you know, like- I remember when I was when I was cheerleading, I'll never forget it. Um, it was in 2016 or 17, I think it was 16. Cronulla were having an awesome year, yeah, because they ended up winning the premiership this year. And they were absolutely hammering us. And there was like 20 minutes to go. And their whole supporter section at Penrith Stadium started seeing up, up Cronulla in the game. And at the time, I was like, I hate those people. And now I'm like, that is exactly what you do. That is what you do in your premiership year. It's funny. It's taking the piss. Like I was at the game. I think you, you were at the game too, Jack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was. I was one of the first people standing up for the clap on the. Hill. Yeah, I did it too. I thought it was hilarious. I was on a hill. I was on the family hill, and there was Raiders fans around me. No one was upset. Some of the kids were were joining in. The little Raiders kids, like, no one was upset at all. And then I go onto Twitter, and that's like everyone's having the biggest cry. Like, yeah. keep crying, keep crying. <laughs> yeah, like, like at the ground the Canberra fans were in good spirits because they knew they like, there was nothing they could do about like the And I knew it was coming. Of course it. it was coming. We did it yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah, like, of course were, it was coming. There were these like fanatic Canberra fans in front of us who had like the Viking helmets on and everything. And, you know, they had the full get up and they had a drum and they kept playing the drum. And every time they did for the gap in between where they were meant to yell Raiders, all of us mm. in the area that I was at were yelling Panthers. So it was drowning it out. Yeah. And yeah. like it was just a bit of fun, and eventually he just started playing the drum for us anyway, because like it was like well, yeah. whatever. And he turned to me at one point and he said, "Um, give us a break. We're not as bad as the Bulldogs yet." And I was like, "What yet?" He's like, "Yeah, yet." I'm like, "All right." Like, <laughs> and it's just it's all the fun of it. It's like when you go to a game, and you know, like you just said, if someone starts a chant, you know, and then another team overtakes the chant, it's part of it. Like imagine if you were at the A League. They're a lot more fierce than that. Imagine if you're in the Super League. A lot of people were tweeting me and they're like, you should see what they do in the Super League. Like a Viking, mocking a Viking club is nothing, you yeah. know? And it's just crazy that this has caused a problem. You know, it's like no, there was no real play instance, except for at the end, but that was a non-issue. Like I did understand last year when people were a bit pressed about Stephen Crichton bringing in a Raiders yeah. player. I'm like, yeah, that's a bit shit, like whatever. But this is such a non-issue to me. Um, and it's just any chance there is to have a go, they'll take it. And it's honestly such a compliment because it's it's just obviously everyone is jealous. Why would you not be jealous? We're winning. We've won 10 in a row now, um, including last year. We haven't lost at Penrith since August 2019. It is the best time Which to be a Panthers fan. Too. Yeah, yeah. It is the best time to be a Panthers fan right now. And I remember being so jealous of Melbourne when they were in. I mean, they're still in their prime. They're bloody amazing too. I remember being so jealous of them. And thinking, oh my God, if I was a Melbourne fan. Awesome. I know, they're still right there. But, um, you know, if I'm a Melbourne fan, I'm never really having like weekends ruined because my team's just yeah. so good every week that I at least have that to fall back on. And now that's what our lives are. So it is jealousy that if your team is, you know, not at those lofty heights, you're jealous of it. And you're going to pick at anything they do just to try and bring them down. So it's a lovely compliment at the end of the day. Yeah, like, like some of these people that were really pressed by it, um, I'd hate to see the the shock horror on their faces if they were there after the uh, Sydney derby in the A-League when oh my us, God. Fans, yeah, us fans were brutal. singing to the players and the players were singing back a certain chant 
uh, it's F off East Sydney. Um, yeah. <laughs> we rule this yeah. city. Um, and the players were singing it back. So could you imagine like how they would go off if like Penrith scored and started doing the Viking clap, even though they all thought it was funny yeah. when Michael Ennis did it. Um, yeah. And yeah, like it is the best time to be a Penrith fan. Like how many years did we put up with five-year plan jokes? Yeah. <laughs> it's Constantly. Like- and we, it was like, it was, we didn't make finals um, for like six years or something between, not six years, it felt like that, but a long time from 2010 to 2014, there was nothing, you know, um, and then it were constantly like in the frame and stuff like that. Um, but it just wasn't quite coming to fruition. So this is the time that you wait for your whole life as a rugby league fan. And it's a time that not everyone will get to experience. I didn't think we would ever experience um, an era like this. I think percentage-wise, it would probably be the most successful era of all time, including that Storm Golden era. So why would we not do this, you know? Um, And I encourage, you know, the shoe is going to be on the other foot sooner than we know. This can't go on forever, even though it seems to have done that for Melbourne, but they're special. Um, And if it does, I'm very happy. But, you know, in five years' time, if we are, you know, down the bottom, 14th, 15th, and Canberra, Tigers, Titans are at the top, they should absolutely carry on like this. And they should absolutely give it to us, you know, because that's what that's what it's about. And I'm not going to be pressed or upset about it because they've earned that time. They've earned that right to just carry on. So carry on they should and carry on we should. Yeah. And like you mentioned the 2016 Sharks earlier. Like I get yeah. it now because I yeah, hate them so much and I have such a fondness for the 2016 Sharks now because like I just completely I, I- understand it. But even the Roosters, I had this really big hatred towards them and I didn't really have a reason. I mean, I think everyone had the reason that was like, oh, well, they, you know, warding the salary cap, blah, 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 all that crap, which may or may not be true. But there wasn't really a proper reason reason. And I look back on it and it was only, what, two years ago. And I'm like, it's because they were so good. That's why I hated them. And that's why I wanted to see them lose all the time. And we've all been there. It's human nature to dislike a team that's always winning. You know, um, and I think there's no drama with that. Hate us all you want, but I do think it's a bit silly when there's such big fuss made about something so small because it's really not a material issue at all. So be honest about it. Be like, I hate Penrith. They're so annoying, you know, but don't make a huge issue over something that's not an issue, you know? Yeah. And also, it's pretty ironic for um, people from the club to be calling the fans classless when you consider some of the things that people who run rugby league clubs let their players and staff get away with so oh true and like to be completely honest as well one of my worst experiences as a cheerleader was going down to Canberra we went to their stadium for a final in I think it was 2016 yeah it was 2016 I had a bad experience it was terrible it was awful like they were screaming at us they were throwing things at us they were like piss off like in a knife in a lot you know they didn't say it like that um it was a terrible experience so I really don't my heart doesn't bleed for them at all, you know? And that was their stadium. They can do what they want. If you want to yell at cheerleaders, yeah. yell at the cheerleaders. But don't now say that it's so upsetting that someone's doing a clap that you've been doing for six years. I mean, it's your tradition for six years. It's now our tradition <laughs> for two. So, <laughs> no, didn't you see the Canberra fans, the way they would follow the Iceland national football team around and give them the Viking clap? It's just crazy. Like, you know what? If it was something like a haka or something like that, that is completely off limits. Yeah, I completely 100%. support 
that being ridiculous. And I think in terms of any sort of mocking rugby league, you can't really be for cultural reasons, racial reason, reasons. I don't yeah. like area reasons. Like I haven't liked it in the past when we've been mocked for being from the West. Don't yeah. like that either. But anything that's beyond those things, I think is completely free free reign. And I think to be completely fair, most of the Raiders fans saw it like that. Yeah. There was only a few of the outrage outrage um, brigade on Twitter that were a bit upset yeah. that weren't even Raiders fans. <laughs> and, and like, it's not that deep, but... Either way, it's a bit sus to be cheering on Vikings anyway. A pretty bad bloke. <laughs> exactly. <So>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that night in 2016 in Canberra, I have a random little yeah. cheerleader anecdote for that. I remember yeah. Panthers, like Pantherettes had like a Snapchat account. And I remember I was on the yeah. Snapchat story for that night. Because <laughs> I remember like the... the the cheerleaders were performing and I was in the background like dancing around or something like that and oh like they God, zoomed in amazing. on me yeah <laughs> I wish I had that I remember I controlled the Instagram account um for Pantherettes for the like you know I think it was 16 and 17 but I don't think I controlled the Snapchat I think someone else did otherwise I'm like I'd have it and I'd have a look and find it <laughs> yeah it'd be like how um Canberra's shocking right hand side defense made sure I was on TV about four times during that game because I kept scoring down there. How good. Yeah. How good. Um, if anyone sees me on TV, please don't do an AI enhancement of my face again because that was the scariest looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I saw that. It's hilarious. Yeah, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, should we get into our three two ones? Um, I think so. Should we do the Broncos game first because – we missed last week yeah like may as well i don't really have much to say about it because yeah I've yeah we'll just sort of run um it. so i'll probably just chuck them out i'll just do my yep. three yep um my one was api Corusau. my two was scott Soren hot scott his name's not scotty Soren's his name is hot scott christmas that way um and my three went to nathan cleary okay yep that's pretty good that was i would yeah. say that was definitely um scott Sorensen's best game as a panther it was yeah he was so he almost scored two he scored the one try and then he almost scored another one and he was just running heaps of meters making amazing tackles like we love you hot scott yeah yep yeah, you're, you're the best we we cannot <laughs> explain enough yeah he's he's on our list of players that we love definitely yeah uh i had uh spencer lenu for my one i had hot scott for my two and nathan cleary for my three Beautiful. Um, yeah, I, just, I had to give Spencer a point because he scored a no, try. No, totally. Yeah. Something, um, someone on Twitter said that Spencer Lenny was the Tasmanian devil from the Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> and it yeah, is please. like, it is the most accurate description I've ever seen of anybody. Um, he's just, he comes on and he just explodes and then just goes off in his wow. car. <laughs> Love him to bits. <laughs> we should do that where we work out which um, Penrith players are what, like cartoon characters. We actually should. That should yeah. be our next top, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now for the Raiders game, we might go into a bit more detail with this one. Um, of course. Yep. You, uh, um, you can start if you want, yeah. Yep, okay. I gave, uh, I've got it written down here. Um, I gave one vote to Isaiah Yo. I thought, yeah. I thought he was just excellent once again in this game and I thought he was a real leader in the middle and I thought mm. he really set the tone for our intensity both on and off the ball in terms of the way he plays like 
he's like the best ball playing lock in the game at the moment. We say that every week, but he has the capability to like just fill the role of a prop sometimes if needed. Like yeah. he will take that prop carry, which like a lot of the locks that you see doing that are just props that are wearing the number 13. But Isaiah yeah. is like the best of both worlds, I feel. And like it was just a standard eight out of 10 minimum game from him. And mm-hmm. like we're just seeing the exact same thing every week from him, aren't we? Oh, we are. And well, he was my one as well. So I may as well just yeah. like flow into that. Um, him as a captain is so underrated. I actually yeah. was um, in light of a little bit of discussion last night. Um, I think you obviously popped a tweet up about um, James Dusko instead of Origin, yeah. which I think is extremely valid. Um, and there was a lot of discussion that like Tedesco is the captain and, you know, that, that all aside, um, I would be minded to make someone like Isaiah or Cam Murray the captain of New South Wales because yeah. both of those two players, um, we'll probably focus more on Isaiah because he's our player, but being the captain has only promoted his game and made his game better, whereas sometimes being handed a captaincy can kind of cloud a player and maybe take them, make, have them take on too much responsibility that detracts from their natural game, which I think might be happening a little bit with Tedesco. Um, whereas someone like Isaiah, he takes it on so well. He's such a good captain. He's such a good role model on and off the field. He never gets himself into trouble off the field. He's very, I can't remember the last time Isaiah was put on report for anything. Every time there's a little fracas, he's the first person in there to try and split it up. He's the perfect captain. And his effort, the way he leads by example every single week is exactly what, like the, he is the perfect captain. So I think that I would be, I would be minded if I was Freddie to, give him or Cameron um, those captaincy duties because they're just fantastic players, great role models. And I'm so proud of Isaiah. Yet again, it's what we come to expect from him every single week. Um, he gives amazing service for the halves to kind of have a platform to do what they need to do. And he just makes the whole thing so much easier for us at Penrith. He's amazing. Yeah. Like I don't think it's a coincidence really at all how much mm-hmm. um, Nathan Cleary has taken that step that we all said he needed to take once as AEO yeah. moved into the middle because he just helps yeah. him out so much. And it's an interesting point about the Blues captaincy because it really is a team of captains, isn't it? Like, yeah, because really Tedesco, Cleary is the Cleary was the vice captain um, once Tedesco got made the captain. And then he was too. He'd be a good captain. Yeah. And then in game three, when Cleary was out, Dalfanukan was the vice captain. And also then you've got. Yeah, and then you've got Isaiah Yo and Cameron Murray, who are the captains of the two teams that made the grand final last year. And then yep. you've got Junior Paulo, who's the co-captain of Parramatta. Yeah, it's it's actually yeah. I just thinking about it now. There's actually quite a few captains in that team, isn't there? So and I do like, think yeah, like obviously we can talk about maybe Origin closer to the time, but yeah. I just don't think that if Tedesco is going to be there, I don't think he should be the captain. Um, just because I think. He needs to focus on getting back to form at the moment. It's just not happening. And I think that if someone, yeah, like even Nathan or Isaiah, but I probably would prefer Isaiah um, being captain would just be so rewarding and so, so correct, I think. Yeah, it certainly shows that it's at least worthy of there being a discussion yeah, around definitely. both James not being the captain and someone like Isaiah actually being the captain. So that's, definitely. that's quite good. I don't think we've ever had, 
Yeah, I don't think the Penrith have ever had a, a captain of New South Wales. Because I know Freddie was captain so for either. a bit, but I think he but was at the Roosters he was by then. Yeah, yeah, not when yeah. he was with us. I know Freddie captained Australia when he was yeah. with us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I actually, I'm not sure if that's ever happened. That would be pretty yeah. cool if it does. It would be, so cool. be a good sign <laughs> for the, yeah, we really are in our best ever era. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. My two votes, I went with Stephen Crichton. So did I. <laughs> we can have the yep, same one. Nice. I think we might have the same top three here. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Critter was just great. Like, yeah, there was a lot of uh, pressure on him going into this game just because of what happened last year. And he absolutely shone. Like, he thrived upon the pressure. And he sneakily slid into the top five try scorers in the comp with that performance yesterday. How many is he on now? Uh, he's on six. And I think what Paps is on ten, pa- I think. Paps is on ten and Taylor May's second on eight. Oh, love this. He's on, How good. Yeah, he's, he's on eight after what, like five games? That's so good. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so I I thought, yeah, I thought Crichton was very good yesterday. And the fact that he is actually, in terms of the outside backs, he's actually now the senior member. Yeah. Like like Brian's played more footy than him, but because he's out injured at the moment, Stephen Crichton has actually been a very, very good player, like in terms of being the leader for them. And he really has. He's really taking on that. Yeah. And like because like he's he's a he's a he's a cheeky bugger, and we all know that. Yeah. But like he's not a player who lets that get away, like get in the way of the quality of his performances. And I think he had a relatively slow start to the year last year. Um, he did, yeah. After what was an amazing 2020, and he got that new contract, and his performance has dipped a little bit. Yeah. But he's like he's showing he's 100 worth what he's being paid at the moment, and it's you know it feeds back into the Origin discussion with Latrell out. He's probably the number one option to replace him in centers. And I think he'd do a great job because not only is he this you know, brilliant attacking player, but I think he's so good with the ball that it's gone under the radar how good he is as a defensive centre. Yeah. Like how many times um, do you actually see him getting beaten? He's, and this was something that really came to um, attention in the final series last year. Like, I actually think Stephen was by far our player of the final series. And I think without Easily. him, we do not we do not win probably any of those games. Um, and that was because in these clutch moments, he came up with huge defensive plays. Um, and, you know, as a centre, it's easy to sit back, sit back and let other players do that, play that kind of role. But he really doesn't. And I've seen that happen throughout his career, not necessarily at the beginning when he was kind of just scoring tries left, right and centre. But it's developed as he's gone on. He's really matured as a player, which is crazy because he's, is he 21 or 22 or something? I think he's, he's really 21. young. Yeah. But he plays, like, I would honestly think he was like 28 or 29 out there. Genuinely, the way he places himself in terms of the other guys as well, it's like he's been doing this for 10 years. He's very, very got a cool head in terms of the way he plays. He's always in the right position. I think he helps those around him too. So, I, again, I, I agree. Last year, there was a bit of a slow start to the season and it's after he signed a big contract and I think everyone was like, oh, you know, was that the best option for us to have put him on all that money? 
and he's really showed us. Um, so, yeah, brilliant again on the weekend. The tries are just secondary to what he does defensively, which really I think makes him the player that he is. Um, and he's just going so well this year following off from that final series. So, yeah, he always loves a game against the Raiders too. I think he has a great time against them. So good for him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, <clears throat> it's definitely shown the way he, I think, uh, he really covers for any errors that he's like, yeah, like his players around him might make. Like he's yeah, with he Charlie Staines at the moment, and I think, like, a, you see a lot of wingers make poor reads where they jam in at the wrong time. But I think Charlie yeah. just knows that he can trust Critter to make the tackles, yeah. and I think you're right in that he plays like mature beyond his years. Like you would, you would honestly think he was the same age as like a Joey Manu. And totally, think, he's very, I think Manu's quite young too. Actually. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. When you think that someone like Manu has been playing the same amount of times as someone like Lomax and Stags and you go, well, I feel like Manu's been there. He's only 25. I feel yeah. like Manu's been there as long as like Croker has. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so weird to get so used to them being around. Yeah. Also, um, you know how you said you weren't sure if he was 21 or 22? Yeah. I just checked. Stephen Crichton oh was born during the Sydney Olympics. Oh my God. Why am yeah. I so old? <laughs> yeah. He was born on the 22nd. I feel 100. Summer. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm starting to get to the age where I'm feeling old. Compared to well, players. how do you think I feel? Jack? Yeah, well, Nathan Cleary was the first player my age to play, like for Penrith. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's where you go, like you know that you, I, like I know I was never ever going to be a footy player, and I never tried to be a footy but player. But yeah, it's really gone. But like, he's a dream is like, over when they start. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's over now, you know. Well, it, it was weird for me because I, like, obviously I was cheerleading when I was cheerleading. I was 19. I started when I was 19. So, um they were all a lot older than me. Um, and I think, yeah, like I remember Matt Moylan, for example, debuted in my first season and stuff. And he was a couple of years older than me then as well. Um, and then by the time I left, I was 25 and I was like a nana <laughs> compared to them. So like 18, 19, and it's just quite depressing how it flips like that. Yeah, that's like a few of the cheerleaders I went to school with. And now yeah. I look at, uh, now I see them and I go, oh, they're still doing it. Oh, that's good. I'm like, oh, God, we're getting old. Good for you. There's a grandma out there. Yeah, yeah, and then you look at Tago and May, who are both 20. Yeah, little babies. Like, this is, yeah, that's insane. We're old. (laughs) We are. We are. Got to accept it. Uh, So, number one, um, uh, another very, very young man, um, a couple months younger than me, I've gone Nathan Cleary. Me too. <laughs> yep, yep. He was, he was excellent once again. He completely controlled that game and he set the pace for everything when it came to us with the ball, which is just what he does. Yep. And he did it excellently. And it's, he's got this amazing ability to sort of like have an idea of what, what he wants us to do. And he's able to help us execute that. But if anything happens, he can just play eyes up footy at the same time. And that was something that he was definitely lacking when he came into first grade. Like he was a very neat player and he was always like, he would always make the right decisions with like 
doing a smart kick for touch or putting up a pretty good bomb and everything, which is something that you like sometimes halfbacks coming in are the other way around. Like they're a bit gung ho and it's taken him a while to develop that ability, but he's got it now. And like, it's just an absolute minimum expectation for him to be one of the three best players on the field for us when he plays. I think that, yeah, that, again, he's someone who's matured again um, and the control he shows is far beyond his. He definitely does give me that Cooper Cronk vibe um, Mm. in terms of halfbacks. And we don't really see that as much in halfbacks these days. Um, He's very, very cool-headed. He's a very good defensive halfback as well. Um, And he's, it's just quite insane to me that he came back from injury. Is this his fourth game back? Yeah, he came, fourth game back. Yep. Um, and I really did think it would take a little bit longer for him to find his feet, but here we are, you know, two men of the match performances later, and he's just immediately back after a really serious shoulder operation. Um, he doesn't have any fear. You know, I think sometimes players get, get, can get injured and have a big operation and come back and be a little timid, especially yeah. in defense. And he just isn't like that. Even in the grand final, he wasn't like that at all. Um, so the fact that he's just able to pick up where he left off so easily is quite scary. <laughs> um, I just, I can't help but think this is not his ceiling. He hasn't hit it yet, which is crazy because he's just had a dream career over the past few years. And I still think there's more to come from him. Um, so he's just brilliant. I'm, we're so lucky. Yeah. Well, like when you think about, honestly, probably the peak of both Thurston and Cronk's careers was in their last sort of few years of playing. Like Thurston's last year yeah. didn't quite go well. That that was like the entire team was struggling and he'd come off a major injury. But, like, these all-time great halfbacks just mature perfectly. And, like, it feels like he's in that stage now, but we know he's not. Like, yeah, he is still only 25. Oh, no, he's 24, sorry. He'll be 25 in, like, November, I think. And so he signed a deal that will take us through to the year that he turns 30, where he'll be 29 at the end of that season. And it's like, he'll probably only just be reaching his peak then. Yeah. And like, Which is weird. How amazing. Oh, like, I'm really sorry, Biggest Tiger, because I know last week or last recording, you were saying that it's really hard to edit this because you're a Tigers fan. But you have had two wins in a row now, so I can just talk about how nice it is to be a Penrith fan again. <laughs> like, oh, they're feeling it just as well as we are right now, the Tigers fans are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have we have our very own Jackson Hastings. Oh, do we ever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's it, it, it's a no brainer for him to get the three points this week. Absolutely, I think there's no other there's no other choice really. Yeah, we love you, Nathan. Panthers, Panthers, Panthers. Okay, speaking of Nathan Cleary, it's time for this week's top five, where we'll be going through our top five current NRL halfbacks. Uh, would you like me to start us off with my number five? Yes, please. Okay. For my number five, I've gone Ben Hunt. Excellent. So have I. Yes. <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I was... Here we are again. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was considering um, Adam Reynolds, but I'd, yeah, I'd just have Hunt a bit above him at the moment. Um, I think the work that Hunt does in such a, awful team 
is so, so amazing. Like, yeah. and he's like pretty much the only, like they won yesterday off the back of him. And that's what you say yeah. every single time they win a game. And every single yep. time they lose a game, you go, oh, they were awful. But boy, it wasn't Hunt good. Yep. And he's, um, sorry, yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy. I actually think all the time, if he hadn't have dropped that ball in the grand final in 2015, I think he'd be, he'd be remembered in such a different way. I think oh, there are yes. still people that see him as that player. Um, but he couldn't be further from that player. He is dead set one of the best players in the NRL, Ben Hunt is, uh, and he's someone that you want your team because he puts in the same consistent performance no matter how good or bad the players around him are playing every single week. And he's, his kicking game is one of the only kicking games in the NRL that I panic about when we play his team. Yeah, like no disrespect to St. George Illawarra fans because um, I like quite a few of you. Like there's some great ones on Twitter. But yeah. Ben Hunt deserves better. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he does. He really does. And, yeah, like I think you're so right that the way that the 2015 incident has changed the narrative of his career so much. Definitely. Like yep. he, he was the best half in that grand final, by the way. Jonathan Thurston actually had quite a poor game and Anthony Milford and Michael Morgan and Ben Hunt were all excellent, but Hunt was the best one. It was just that yep. moment. And that, that is a genuine criticism you can make of Ben Hunt is that sometimes when it comes to the big moment, he falters a bit and he just makes yep. a snap decision. That's the wrong one. Like sometimes I think in origin once, they were down by a few points with a couple minutes to go and he grubbed it into the end goal on the third when there was nothing on. And yep. that is a genuine criticism you can make of him. But yeah, I think he had like one moment on the weekend where he um, kicked the ball out in the pool, you know, yeah. and you, you have yeah. those moments, you have those moments. And maybe that's why he's not in the top three echelon that we will discuss later, but he's just brilliant. I, I really have so much time for him as a player. Um, and even though, not even as a halfback, like when he's played at hooker, he just slots in and does his job. Um, yeah, well, if he played really, hooker, he'd yeah. be top three hookers. Yeah, he would be. Yeah. And that's like a genuine decision that the Dragons should probably make about whether he should play halfback or hooker. And like, I think I think their team might go a bit better with him at hooker just because Andrew McCulloch is 2,000 years old. Yeah. But <laughs> like, that's the thing is like, you still don't lose anything from your team in him being a halfback. And yeah. he could he could easily be the Queensland halfback, but um, Daly Sheravans is probably a little bit ahead of him. And it's yeah. not by much. Like you look at the first 79 minutes of, you know, 29 out of 30 games, Ben Hunt mm -hmm. is incredible. It's just that yeah. one little moment after that. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, number four. Yeah. Yes, I have Mitch Moses. Quite low. Yeah, I, I this this two to five range. I think they're all like pretty even. Like I, I feel personally like you could sort of swap them around just based on personal preference. Yeah. Um, I think ability wise, Mitch Moses is probably like top three, but. Yeah. I think he's just got to show it a little bit more. And I think he was really starting to at the end of last year. Like he was excellent in their uh, Parramatta's elimination final against Newcastle. 
-hmm. And then he was also excellent again in the game against Penrith, which just really wasn't a game that was built for halfbacks to shine in. But I thought he was very good once again. And I think we've seen him move away from some of the little deficiencies in his game that we kind of saw in the 2020 finals against South Sydney where the game was there for them. And he sort of, he missed a kick and then he sort of fell away and hid. And like he, he, I think he's proven a lot of doubters wrong. And I think he deserves, yeah, I think he deserves selection for the blues in game three last year. And I don't, I don't think it was his fault that we lost. Like some people tried to say um, I don't think he was amazing. No. But to be did, honest. He did break his back in that game, though. I know, but I still think that, like, him seeing him in origin and seeing Cleary in origin, it's like that was a really huge um, display of why Cleary is much better. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he's <laughs> not... in terms of game control and stuff like yeah. that. But then if you look back at, like, um, Nathan Cleary's first origin game and he wasn't that great anyway. So that's another thing to think about um, mm, with I Moses. Think... I have him further down my list, so I won't go into him too much. Um yeah, well, I think it was Nathan's third series in Origin before he got a try assist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it can take know, like, time. Yeah, and like I think that's just the next step that Mitchell has to make is probably take Parramatta to a preliminary final, like yep. at least because you know obviously I I don't really fully agree with this argument that the result rests on the halfback because. I think Ben Hunt's a perfect example that sometimes you can do everything and your teammates yeah. might let you down. But I yeah. think Mitch needs to just improve a little bit more at, yeah, just controlling the game when his teammates aren't up for it. Yeah. And I think I think his issues are widely Parramatta's issues as well. And I yeah. think as he improves, they improve. And, yeah, like a few years ago, he would have been nowhere near this top five, to be honest. So... Yeah, it's pretty good from him, but there's just, I'd say there's probably six really good halfbacks and, yeah, I'd probably have him, yeah, just in fourth at the moment. I also agree that there's six good halfbacks. Um, So my fourth is, and I'm talking about this year, um, Nico Hines. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, So I've left out somebody notable with this list. um, (laughs) I think I know who it might be. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I did agonise over it, but I'm, I'm just, you know, going by what's in front of me. Um, what Hines has done at Cronulla, I think we spoke about it earlier today, and he really has exceeded his expectations. Um, he's controlled that team. He's making Matt Moylan look really good. Um, yeah. Matt Moylan is really coming into some form at the moment, and we haven't seen that for years, like three or four years. And I think it's because you've got someone like Hines who's kind of taking control of the game a bit more and letting Matt Moylan play a natural game. Um, which is very similar to what Cleary does at Penrith with Luai. Um, and I just think he's been outstanding. Um, he hasn't really missed a beat. He hasn't had a bad game so far. Um, and I think it's just going to get better and better. So, yeah, Hines is my four. Yeah, no, I really like that. Um, I'll be honest, I don't have Hines in my five. Like, yeah, I've, you probably I've, have the other person. I've been, I've been really impressed by him. Um, yeah. And it was probably a bit harsh of me to say that there's six really good halfbacks when I could probably say seven when including Nico. Hines. Oh, now I don't know who the sixth is. We'll talk about uh, it after we've talked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Oh, I think I know. I know. I know. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jackson Hastings. Oh, sorry. No, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Oh my God. I forgot Jackson Hastings. Yeah. Cause I was going to put Hastings in, but I was like, oh, no, geez. chill. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think I've probably, yeah. Like I've probably been a bit harsh on Nico Hines, but I think that's more me than him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because he, like, yeah. he has exceeded expectations. Like, when they signed him and said he's going to play in the halves, I figured 5'8". And then they yeah. named him at 7. And he's killing it. Yeah, and he had, like, a, a fairly average All-Stars game. And then it was a rough yeah. start for him against Canberra where he just seemed like he couldn't really, like, it felt like there was too much on his plate with the 7 on his back, kind of like with Luke Keery at the moment, I'd say. Yeah. And but then he just has blossomed from there and has been excellent and is within yeah. a genuine shout for the Dallium this year and deservedly so like across the every round that's been played because Nathan has been injured you would probably say purely on form Nico Hines has been the best halfback in the NRL yeah which is so weird when you think last year he was the the fullback that would come off the bench for Melbourne I know, and that's what I mean in that, like, potentially. It's hard to say Melbourne will get anything because they're so good at the moment. So it's like I don't really think they're going to be losing sleep over how well, um, you know, um, Heinz is doing. But I do think he's going to be a really good player for some time yeah. in that position. Yeah, like like they they obviously would have preferred to keep him, but I guess you can only yeah. play so many players. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so he's my, got three. Yeah, my number three, I have Daily Cherry Evans. He's the one I've left out. <laughs> I thought so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like going on just this year, yeah, I probably wouldn't have him in there. Like the games that he's been yeah, good. I'm doing it just on this year. Yeah. yeah. The, the games that he's been good, he's been excellent this year yep. but like there haven't been too many of those and mm, you can, mm-hmm. that's that reflects through of manly's performances yeah um but i just like i just think over like his entire career and then including these last few years and this year like i just have him as like just above a few other players but like he's a player who i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's inconceivable for him to be yeah overtaken by the other players that I've mm-hmm. left below him. Um, but it, it will be an absolute joke if he gets picked for Australia over Nathan Cleary. Yeah, um, no, I, would, I wouldn't have an issue with him being in the squad for the World Cup, but he can't beat the first choice halfback. It's, um, it's not even a question to me. No. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> It can't happen. It's not, like, it's, I think people say things like, oh, well, you know, um, sometimes you have to wait. I think they said Billy, was it Billy Sater had to wait? Somebody had to wait behind somebody else or something like uh, that. Yes, really Slater didn't player. debut for Australia until 2008. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to make that mistake again. Yeah. You know, if you're, if Nathan Cleary is the best player in the league right now, so he should, of course, play for Australia in his position. It just goes without saying. And, like, if you're going to talk about incumbency and staying loyal, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Players go in and out of form, you know. If we were going to be loyal, we'd still have players like Jason Turbo 
playing for New South Wales out of yeah. Murray and Yeo. Yeo. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you need to, there, there is a line between thank you so much for your service and, you know, whatnot. And this is ridiculous. And it would be ridiculous not to have Cleary there. Um, and I think Daily Cherry Evans would know that. I don't think even he would be, I don't think even his mum <laughs> would think that he should be <laughs> picked ahead of Cleary. Like seriously, do you know what I mean? And he's done it, you know, he's done it all before. Um, it, it, he's, he's not a bad player, but in the times we've played him especially, it's, he's not bothered us. He's not someone, like, as I said before, I actually panic when we play Ben Hunt because I, like, it's just like, what's he going to dish up? His kicking game is excellent, but I just really haven't seen that too much um, with DCA recently. So, yeah, I, he's a great player. He will always be a great player. For me, the reason why he doesn't make my list is I do believe he goes missing a little bit more than other halfbacks do. Um, but, yeah, I completely understand why he's on yours for sure. Yeah, it's one where you go, like, either way, it's an understandable decision. Totally. And I think you're yeah. right. Like, it's one thing to get me of the match against Canberra. But, yeah, like, get me of the match against, like, Penrith or Parramatta or Melbourne. Exactly. And then we can talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get, get within 20 points of any of those teams, either. Yeah, um, my three is Jerome Hughes. Nice. Um, so, yeah, he's like last night was another masterclass from Jerome. Um, he's an attacking weapon and he's just slotted in. It's quite funny. He's just overnight really become fantastic um, because I feel like he wasn't always this. I remember when like Kronk left and, and all that. Um, there wasn't a lot of confidence, I guess, in him to replicate that. But they're not missing a beat with him and Munster down there at the moment. Um, they complement each other really, really well. And notably, when those big players have been out, like the Munsters and your Paps, Hughes rises. And that's such a good indication of a really good controlling halfback. He doesn't need those clashy players around him to succeed. Um, and I've just been really impressed with him, the way he's carrying that team, not carrying that team, no one is carrying that team, but the way he's performing in that team at the moment is brilliant. So he's my three at the moment yeah well he's my number two actually like yeah it makes sense i think i'm such a massive fan of jerome hughes he like the fact that he has gone from being a very promising fullback who was showing signs of being an elite one to just actually being an elite halfback like they they put him in there out of necessity because Brody croft wasn't doing it and they gave Pappenhausen a run at fullback and it's just worked and the way that he's able to adapt his game to playing in the halves the way that you've seen so many fullbacks not be able to do that before yeah I think that's such a massive compliment to him because he's taken on board the halfback role of being an organizer and having the vision yeah. to see what needs to be done and everything and actually doing it and playing smart and playing conservative when he needs but then because yeah. he was a very good fullback, he's got that athletic ability to be there to back up like last night for that try yeah. where like very no fast. one's going to catch him except the ball boy. I was going to say the ball boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, like probably like maybe 18 months ago, it was like he probably still wouldn't have been the New Zealand halfback, but now he definitely is. And, yeah. like, you'd probably put, like, either one of Dylan Brown or Sean Johnson at 5'8". Yeah. Um, and, like, 
And but like Neil Brown's on really good form at the moment too. Yeah. Yeah, and like, but like, if New Zealand played tomorrow, it would be his team. Yeah, absolutely, it would. And that is such a like compliment to him, considering where he came from. And I think it's it's actually quite remarkable that at the exact same time that Slater retired, the Storm had coming through Jerome Hughes, Ryan Pappenhausen, and Scott Drinkwater as fullbacks, and they made the right decision with every single one of them. Like it's like, I'll oh, change, change the position of one, release another and play one of them at fullback. And they managed to make yeah. the right choice with three out of three, which so many yeah. clubs would like just get it horribly wrong. Yeah. And again, Melbourne just doing Melbourne teams. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually unbelievable. They are robots. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's a fantastic player. And yeah, I, I rate him so high. So I was like, I had to put him as number two. Yeah, no, I completely get that. Um, my two is Moses. And hey. for me, um, like Moses and Hughes been interchangeable for me, two and three. Like it could it could be either. Um, so I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not a fan. <laughs> and I've taken great joy in him not being too great over the past few years, but I can't do that anymore um, because he's just, yeah, he has really just matured this year. Um, I think as we discussed before, something that he could work on is those clutch moments, you know, like even last week against the Tigers, he missed that field goal. It's pretty easy one. And like, don't get me wrong, all halfbacks miss field goals, but I can probably think of more times Moses have missed them than got them. Like even the one again, um, against Melbourne a few weeks ago, he stuffed that up and it was just because of Redstone being there that they scored from that. Um, so I think if he manages to kind of get that clutch kind of um, mentality under control, he can go to a whole new level. But just the, what he's doing at Parramatta is really, really good at the moment. He um, individually, as well as as a halfback, is just such a good player at the moment. He can score his individual tries. He's always backing himself up. Um, and something tiny that I've noticed this year, I noticed last year there was a lot of he would yell at people frequently. Um, and I've noticed a little bit of that maybe lessening a bit this year. And I even noticed last year, I think when Gutho was carrying on a bit, he like hit, like didn't hit him badly, but he kind of like whacked him on the back and was kind of like shut up, um, which I thought was good leadership from him in that scenario um, and something that we probably wouldn't have seen from him in the past. So I really think he's really growing and developing as a player. I think he's always going to be second to Nathan Cleary and I think he knows that, but he's really is making it. I guess, a name for himself at the moment now. Um, and he's someone that I genuinely am concerned coming up, up against Parramatta because of his kicking game. So that's why he's in it too for me. Um, I really do think he's second to clear at the moment and the performance of Para is really showing that. Yeah, well, like when you think about when he was part of that big four at the Tigers and he was one of the three that left, yeah. he was really painted yeah. as the villain out of the three that yeah, left. Yeah, he was. Well, because he did carry on like an absolute idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did like stop trying. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's such a like big change for him, like his temperament yeah. over the past couple yeah, of years. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like there was that incident last year where the mics picked up him telling Gutho to F off when Gutho yeah. went to take a quick tap and he wanted to do a kick exactly. for touch. Which yeah. like silly. Yeah, like like I don't have the biggest issue with, but I can see why people 
think it's an issue. Yeah. Because um, it's not really something that you should be like. Yeah. Yeah. Yell at your like, players if they're not in line. Yell at your players if they're doing something stupid, but that's probably not something that I'd yell at them for. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I like if they have that relationship with each other, sure. But then you think yeah. like Cooper Cronk wouldn't yell that no. at Cameron no. Smith or Billy Slater. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you see sort of like those kind of things go out of his game this year. And I think that's Definitely. really good. And yeah, you're right. Like there's the things like maybe the the field goal in the clutch moment or the goal in the clutch moment is probably just that last thing that he really needs to work on. Yeah. And because like he's a nine out of 10 at the moment, but he's, yeah, he's really not far being a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and he needs to, for Para to get to that next stage. And I still think they're playing really well this year. Um, they obviously didn't have the world's best game against the Tigers, but they really came back and did exactly what they needed to yeah. against Newcastle on the weekend to kind of show that, you know, that wasn't anything you need to worry about. Um, so I think they're looking really, really good with Brown and, well, it shouldn't, should be Brown and Moses at the moment. It's Arthur and Moses, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm assuming our number one is the only possible potential choice for number one. Yes, that's right. My number one <laughs> is Kyle Flanagan. No, sorry, um, Nathan Cleary. <laughs> for a second, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, my heart rate just goes, has to go down for a little minute. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, while that happens, I'll just talk about Nathan Cleary. Yeah, um, good plan. That'll help. I think, like, I mean, and I mean, everyone thinks this except Mel Meninga. Nathan Cleary is the number one halfback in the game and is easily in the conversation for the best player in the game. And like I think he is as well. Maybe there's a bit of Penrith bias there, but oh well. Um, yeah. Like he, he has is. yeah, he has the best kicking game out of any halfback. He has he's tactically the best halfback. He's probably in the top two for running games as a halfback. And it's a flip of the coin between him and, say, Ben Hunt for the work rate and determination out of the halfbacks. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it's just shown, like, there were there were always little murmurs when Ivan came back about, like, oh, what's going to happen if he ever has to drop him or whatever, you know, is he going to be able to do that? Well, he's never had to, and he's never going to have to. And it's such a blessing to have such a good halfback at our team, like Penrith, we've been blessed with some very good halfbacks over the years. And like, you could probably make an argument that our three best players of all time in terms of like across their careers have been halfbacks, you know, like someone like Brad Filler obviously goes in the conversation as well. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd have Nathan as the number one yet, but Oh, but he's a baby. He's he'll got be ten there. years to prove that. Yeah. yeah, he will be. Yeah. I have not a doubt in my mind that he'll be the best. Like by the time he retires, he'll be known as the best player Penrith's ever had. And he will be. Yeah. And like we've said before, I don't know if we've said it on the podcast, but I know we said it in a group chat once that like we think he has it in him to be an immortal. He does. Yeah, I have no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. And it's not every day you get to say that about a player. I think as well, if you look at what he's done already in his 24, he's been to two grand finals, one premiership, two state of origin series, I believe, one Clive Churchill medal, 24. 
he's got 10 years minimum left on his career. If you look at the trajectory, the trajectory for Penrith right now, like he may, he, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but he might have like three or four premierships by the time his career is over. Yeah. Who knows how many State of Origin series he might have. He'll probably have just as many, way more than that in terms of Origin series. He'll probably go on to be the halfback for Australia, potentially captain Australia as well, given his age. So then you're like, he should, like that is, that is when we get into immortal territory. And he just does things. Like I listen to like Bloke in a Bar and stuff like that, those podcasts frequently. And they say that Nathan Cleary is one of the very few players in the competition they believe could go to any player, any team in the competition, just themselves and take them to finals. And I entirely agree with that. Like you put Cleary in, I honestly think you put Cleary in the Bulldogs, you put them in the Tigers and they make finals. Yeah. And um, to have that ability as a player, so young and still so early in your career, that's just scary to think of what's coming for him. Um, so there's just, he's going to hold that best halfback position I think for the next five years at least. Um, and it's just, it's not just so much as what he does himself as a player, but it's his impact on the players around him and bringing the best out of those players, allowing Luai to be such a great 5'8". Luai's had a phenomenal season this year. Um, and it's because he's allowed to play a natural game because Nathan's doing the controlling side of things, you know? And then just the centres and the wingers just having such good service, you know, to allow them to, Oscar as well on the edges so it's just a well-oiled machine at the moment and Nathan Cleary is such a key part to that yeah like it's like almost run out of words to describe how good he is like he I think if you wrote a Hollywood movie about a player it'd be him yeah because it's like you know he wears the number seven because he's the halfback and that's the you know that's the cool number in rugby league He's he's the guy who was, like, coming through. Everyone was like, oh, he could be something. Who knows? And he came through, and with his club that he debuted with, you know, he's achieved almost everything that he possibly can achieve by the age of 24. And it's come with its adversities as well and the way he's overtaken them. Like, the the criticisms we were making of um, Mitch Moses and Ben Hunt earlier, you could have still said about Nathan in 2020 when it came to the 2020 yeah. grand final where mm-hmm. it was like, he was off that day, but yeah. he still like, he still forced his hand and he was still trying to get in everything. And that's where he, he sort was, of lost yeah. it where he probably should have just had a bit more trust in his players to do the job. If he's off, like just give them early ball yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And that is something that, you know, he'd do now. Mm-hmm. And like, like he had a, he had an error in the, 2021 grand final he let Cody Walker run over him for that try yeah but then you know he remembered that and he got into Walker's head when Walker threw um I believe Cody Walker threw an mm. intercept in that game um oh did he I think he might have yeah and like he, it. <laughs> and he clearly wasn't he clearly wasn't rattled by it and he got into his head after the intercept and there was a little bit of a scuffle and then he had that late great tackle on Cody Walker where he tackled his arms at, when, as Walker went to pass it and he threw it over the sideline in a crucial moment. Mm. And you combine that with just how brilliant his kicking game was that entire night. And he just, 
he is the one halfback, I think, who has the tools to win his team a game on every single occasion, no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah. And one thing as well. Yeah. No, you go, you go. I was just going to say, we're just so lucky to have him. We are. Um, And one thing I've noticed as well is I think he is, you know, he's admitted as well that he's definitely an anxious sort of player and he's in the past allowed um, external things to get into his head to the point where, you know, he would make an error at the beginning of the game and the entire rest of the game he'd be thinking about that error and what people are going to say about it. And he has, you know, really maturely grown out of that, which is really good because that is easier said than done. Um, I remember like just little, people made fun of it at the time, but like journaling, like you see him literally journaling in the change rooms. And if that's what he needs to do, I love that, that he's doing that um, because that was something that he would kind of duck his head a little bit um, when, when that happened. And yeah, the fact that he's matured out of being able to do that and kind of worked on that for himself as well. Like he's not just one of these really naturally gifted players. I mean, he is, but he's not just one that relies on that and just rocks up to training and leaves and goes to the games and that's the end of it. Like we hear constantly, he's the last one at training, practicing. He's very dedicated to improving himself as a player. And again, huge benefit to, to him as a person and a player to have at Penrith. So it's just great. Yeah, like he is someone who from the moment he came into first grade, He's had a target on his back Um, just because like, you know, not only is he a halfback and they have added pressure, but like his dad was coaching at another club and everything. And there were always murmurs about him going to meet him there. And then when I came back, it went up an extra gear and you can see. Yeah. And you can see where it did take its toll on him a bit. Yeah. But the way he's fought through that, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think I would have been able to. Um, not it's only hard. because I'm not only because I'm not as good at rugby league as Nathan Cleary, but <laughs> that um, little fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that like immense pressure that he would have felt. Yeah. Like I yeah. can I can barely take the pressure of just being a fan of this club when it comes to some of the games we've played over the past couple of years. I, I don't know how someone can yeah. go play in them. I know. And then for him to go out there and be the best player in them. Yeah. Like, I remember I was a bit, I was slightly confused about why Nathan Cleary got the Clive Churchill medal when it happened because I thought yeah. Matt Burton. Yeah. Um, but then, like, yeah, I've watched that game back a lot of times and it's easily Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Because he just did all the things that I, did, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't notice because I wasn't able to fully, like, like, sit back and just take a view of the game. Yeah. And it's hard to, I think even like when we were at a game on the weekends, when I was leaving, I was like, oh, I wonder who played well. And someone said Cleary on Twitter. And I was like, that's so random. I didn't really notice him. And then yeah. you watch it and you're like, oh my God, it's what you don't notice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's the, like so many of our important players are like that. And yeah. he's just the best out of all of them. And that's such a compliment yeah. when you think about how many players do we have who are the best yeah. in the world at the moment in their position. I know. And winger, like winger, probably winger would be Brian. Yeah. Fullback, obviously, Dylan goes out. Clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Halfback, 5'8, I'd probably say 
lock, I'd say very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And like he's, yeah. And he's the best of the lot. And yeah. he also has that. Yeah. Not the, pre- not only the pressure of um, everyone who like in the media, who wants to sort of, you know, put him in any, every headline they can, but just the fact yeah. that everyone knows who he is. Like everyone in Penrith yeah. knows who he is, even those who don't care about rugby league. And yeah. like he'll walk into a room and everyone will be like, oh, that's Nathan Cleary. And like yeah. everyone has like a story about like when they've seen him or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. even like the average like rugby league fan, if I guarantee every Penrith fan has gone through this where someone who doesn't go for Penrith has gone to him, oh, who do you go for? when you go oh Penrith they'll go oh I don't like Nathan Cleary like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, didn't, I didn't ask mate like <laughs> no, they hate him because he's good yet again yeah, like it's yeah. we keep going back to that um that it was out of nowhere we'll go oh Luai's better what yeah they, for you. they're like <laughs> and that's the thing they um, I mean there's a few things on Twitter last week that last year that came up I think when there was a lot of um criticism against him and a few journalists and stuff would pop up and be like, I don't know where this is coming from because he's actually a very, very nice person, a very good person to deal with. Um, and they just ignore it, <laughs> you know. Um, even last week I noticed there was that tackle drama um, after yeah. the Brisbane game and there was an article I read afterwards where Nathan himself was like, oh, it was terrible. I felt so bad for it. It was dangerous. You know, completely popped it. I didn't see it reposted once on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone just doesn't want to admit, like they don't want to go and, you know, if that was somebody else, that would, if that was like Pats or someone like that, they'd be like, wow, what a good guy. Like, you know, he's yeah. owning up to it. We love him. That's okay. I don't think he's too upset by that. <laughs> yeah. Like um, it was just the protected species argument, which like, like yeah. you and I, we both said that we thought he should have been yeah, suspended for it. Yeah. But like just the way that they will find anything they can to have a go at him. Like like all throughout yeah, 2021, exactly. all we heard was chokers haven't won anything. Yeah. Now it's protected species. And like you saw literally every man and his dog talking about that for a week, whereas now Tupo didn't get sent off for a tackle, which I think was <laughs> way worse. He's now been, I think he might miss like one to two weeks or something like that, which again, I think it was way worse. And if it was, to be completely fair, if it was Hetherington, you would definitely see him miss about five or six. Um, but no one's saying anything. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, I don't care. No one, they're not saying that he's protected. <laughs> that tackle's actually really funny because when it happened, I went, oh, it's not that bad and everything. Oh, and my then God, I then saw, you see it. Well, I saw that everyone disagreed and I sort of stayed yeah. on my, like, oh, it's not that bad. But God, I'm no, running out of I'm running out of arguments quickly to defend that. No, tackle. it was very bad. <laughs> was it like, was very bad. Yeah, even Anthony Griffin made a good point about it, and that's pretty rare. So. Oh, that was hilarious! What yeah. he said about um how he would have gone too much in jail, I mean, two years yeah. in jail. That was so funny. <laughs> Credit rates, dude. Yeah, like imagine, yeah, if Nathan did that tackle. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, Hook, Hook would have said that uh, he created Nathan. That, there's a there's a joke in there somewhere would've. that was a really bad one. They would have, oh. yeah. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> but yeah, so Nathan Cleary, undoubtedly best halfback in the NRL. It's your way with the premiership. Okay, this Friday night, I believe it's the 6 p.m. game. Penrith Panthers are playing away to the Gold Coast Titans. Nat, what are you looking forward to in this game? 
hopefully a big old scoreline. Now Melbourne have put everyone on notice with their 70. I feel like we need to up the attack a little bit. Mm. Um, yeah, um, the Titans are in all sorts at the moment. So I can't honestly sit here and think I'm going to see any really decent matchups in that respect. Um, what am I going to I mean, I loved our second half against Raiders. I don't really think you can get much better than that. Um, you know, actually what I would like to see is Targo's having a little bit of a quiet moment for the past couple of weeks. And I think he's been, I think he kind of got a bit overawed potentially by Stags um, against Brisbane. And I really hope his confidence doesn't get too squashed from that. So I'd actually like Targo to have a really good game um, on against the Titans. Um, but apart from that, lots of tries and hopefully we can pop the accelerator on a little bit earlier and just make it not one that we have to stress about. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think it's one where, like, I'm not expecting us to win 70 to 10. I think we can no. and probably, you know, fairly easily given the, yeah. the two teams who are playing. But yeah, I think, I reckon it'll be like another like 30 point win similar to like our game um, against Canberra. But yeah. I think we could easily win it by a lot more. The Titans, ability-wise, are a very good team, but they're in a bad yeah. place at the moment. And they're just in all sorts. Yeah. They don't really like, see that changing. Yeah. They have an underperforming roster. Like, like Tino's been great. And, you know, you will always see people defending David Fafida because they just want it to work out. And I want it to work out. But yeah. he he's not performing to like the salary that they're paying him. And this could be a real embarrassment for the Titans. Yeah. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, best of luck to our, um, our what sister podcast uh, on sports, best friend network, bad life Titans. Cause um, yeah, we love them. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah. But to be honest, guys, I look forward to listening to your, episode after this game because we're going to be very game. happy yeah i don't know why i would never understand why <laughs> oh but it's like what it's like the picture that angus posted after the game we may never lose again and i'm not we can't argue it's just the way life goes yeah you have to be honest you know we're yeah, only we're just honest we're on, honest humble people yeah yeah like you know no one is more humble than Penrith fans at the moment so <laughs> no not even yeah. Isaac Luke yeah I'd, I'd love a, a a good performance from Tago like a couple tries from him maybe um I'd love to see Luai get one yeah um, how sad he got his taken away yeah I um, know on the weekend I know and I understand but he was fair it's the rule I understand the call but I was still fuming over it because yeah. at that point, I was all of us hitting 50. I know, me too, but I and get it. You know, we want consistency. Yeah. It was consistent. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, it'd be nice to um, see him get on the board because I think, yeah, him and Tago, uh, you know, they're, they're doing all right. Like, they're, they're not exactly mm-hmm. playing badly, but I think they're kind of being overshadowed by how good May has been on that edge at the moment yeah. the past couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I just like, you know, I still want Taylor May to do very well, um, but too. I just want the love to be spread a bit more. Me too. So everyone feels confident and happy. Yep. And, you know, we are, it is 1.34 p.m. right now. So the, the uh, 
team won't be out for a couple more hours. But if Brian To'o is back, then I'm expecting him to be sh- that Brian to be playing on the right hand side with Stephen Crichton to keep the Tago May combination going, and then have the yeah. the old To'o Crichton combination again because I mean to- uh, To'o only moved to the left last year anyway, so. No, I agree. Yes, that, that should be a good one. Um, oh, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to congratulate Sonny Luke on his debut and what a fantastic... Oh, my God, what a had. cutie. Yeah, we, it was so good. Um, super excited because, oh, my God, I'm going to sound... You guys are all... You're going to sack me from the podcast. But um, <laughs> don't know if Mitch Kenny is the future hooker plan. <laughs> No, no, I agree. So <laughs> that quietly. Yeah. Um, maybe they won't hear me. Um, great utility, happy to have him on the team, but don't know if he's an uppie. Um, yeah. so Sonny Luke, excellent. Came on, try assist. We love that from him. You know, super um, super keen. We love his story, the fact that he's been trying for a very long time. I think he's 26 and he's gonna get a crack. Um, so super happy for it to be Sonny Luke's season. Um, hope he gets another go this week and we start kind of sharing it between him and Api. Um, so then maybe there's an easier um, transition next year and during origin time if Api gets picked as well. So love that from Sonny Luke, legend. Yeah, well, I think it's along the lines of, yeah, that play, that the plan that Penrith laid out publicly last year, that it was they put Spencer Lenu in New South Wales Cup around origin time because they wanted him to play 80 minutes so that he could get used to playing more minutes once Origin came. And I think it's the same with the Mitch Kenny, Sonny Luke situation at the moment where it's a, it's a double, a double win in the Mitch Kenny plays 80 minutes in New South Wales cup in case Uppy gets picked and Sonny Luke won't be overawed by making his debut under all this pressure because I think they've learned a lesson from last year as well overall in that we got ambushed by the Tigers yeah. when we had all those players out. Yeah, like We can say that we had all yeah. the players out, but maybe we should have filtered them through the team a little bit more before that game. It was just like throwing them to the wolves. It wasn't yeah. nice. It wasn't a nice experience that game. And we have a pretty rough road coming up anyway where we're going to have um, Parramatta, Melbourne and the Roosters three weeks in a row. And yeah. like the Roosters aren't playing the best, but they're still a good team. And yeah. so even if we just give the players a bit more rest before that game, those games, like yeah. I'm happy with that. And I tweeted this last week during Penrith's New South Wales Cup game that I'm happy for us to give Sonny Luke every opportunity to prove himself to be Uppy Corusau's full-time replacement next year. Because yeah. I think Mitch Kenny is... I think he's nailed down as our forward utility now. Because yeah, half the yeah. time when he comes on, he doesn't play hooker anyway. Abby stays out there and he plays almost like a front mm-hmm. row or a lock. And I think yeah. he's like our Ray Stone now. Yeah. Where you go, he can just plug a gap anywhere in the team and he does his job really well. And yeah. I mean, he's only just re-signed recently. So I'm guessing like the club probably like outlined that plan to him. And he's happy to Probably. stay yeah, under those circumstances. Cares. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. would be. Yeah. And like, I love Uppy as a player so much, 
but I don't think we're going to, I don't think we'd lose all that much next year having Sonny Luke as the nine and Mitch Kenny as the 14. Yeah. Because, and yeah, like, like, yeah, like absolutely nothing against Uppy, but just a compliment to Luke. And, you know, and that's what we want to make sure. We want to make sure there is a smooth transition. Um, yeah. I would like to see the same thing happen. I would love to see Mav Gaia get a go um, yeah. towards the end of the year to try and start into Kick's position. Um, so we have the same thing where it's not just like, surprise, here you go, you know. Um, yeah. And they are in positions where we can do that. Um, maybe not doing it against, you know, the Storm or the Eels, but maybe not. against teams where you can afford to, you know, just experiment a little, I think it's a really good thing to do. Yeah, like like even someone like uh, um, Eddie Blacker and Lindsay Smith, who, like yeah. Eddie Blacker's, I think he's in the top five try scorers in New South Wales Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is actually the work of Sonny Luke, just like drifting across and putting him in a hole. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's just the club being smart with that. And yeah, I agree that I don't think Mitch is the long-term nine, not that he's not good enough to be a hooker at NRL level because he is, but there's such a big difference in the way him and Appy play. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, stylistically. It would just kind of mess up everything a little similar. bit. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we need to ensure um, we we keep that cohesiveness because we don't want it to be like, it's not just a matter of replacing the hooker, it's making sure that the other kind of the flow and the service to the halves isn't too different. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why it's really important and it's a really good idea to, to blood him now um, and get him used to playing that level. So I'm super excited and I hope we see him again this week. Titans, absolutely, he should be there. Yeah, and, like, he could easily be the hooker for the Titans right now. Yeah. Like, because like, I know that, that that comment about him replacing Appy might get a few people, like, questioning that because he's only yeah. played one game and it was off the bench. But yeah. he's, he's 26. And I yeah. heard the other day someone saying, I think it might have been Tim Sheens talking about the longer it takes for you to make first grade, the more prepared you're going to be for it. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw that with him. Like he just, he didn't seem overawed by it at all. And he's like, yeah. he's been through the system and everything. Like we talked about it a bit in the first episode of the year when he got upgraded to the top 30, uh, just about like how he's been through like West system and he was playing with some Mary's last year and everything. And yeah, I'm just very, very happy for him and I'm excited to see what the club does next year rather than worried. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Panthers, Panthers, Panthers. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, hopefully you're still there after the hiatus we had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we promise we won't, we won't do that too often. Just sometimes, you know, life gets in the way, but that's okay. Exactly. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Big Cat Chat. And then the same on Twitter, except it is at Big Cat Chat Pod. Um, yeah, just, you know, have a chat with us. You know, we're always talking about footy anyway on our personal accounts. So, you know, we're always I was thinking even like I was thinking even of doing some sort of like live tweeting the game situation maybe on Friday. That could be fun. Oh, that'd um, be cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that could be kind of fun. I'll just be sitting at home watching it, so yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> instead of just talking crap on my normal account as usual, so maybe we'll do that as well. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. People are keen, so yeah. Yeah, well, let, let us know. We can't wait to uh, get all your questions. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening and we'll chat to you later. Bye, guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.